0: Once again, our scripture is Acts 27, verse 13 through 44. Luke writes, Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind, called a northeaster, struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Cahuda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergrid the ship. And then fearing that they would run around on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart for Some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther, they took a sounding and again found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, And had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in this ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you and when he said these things he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all he broke it and began to eat then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves we were in 200 in all 276 persons in the ship and when they had eaten enough they lightened the ship throwing out the weed into the sea now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind that made, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. so as we near now, the end of the book of Acts, we are nearing our journey with Paul. Now he's been in prison for two years as a captive on false charges. And for two years he's asked to go and see Caesar and testify before him. And he was told by the Lord before he was ever arrested that he would go to Rome and testify before Caesar, and now what we have is Paul is finally on a ship headed to Rome. But in the first part of the chapter that we didn't read, Paul gives some advice to the sailors on the ship. He says, it's after the fasting day. It's after the Day of Atonement. And he knew that the Mediterranean Sea is especially violent and unpredictable between November and March. And He said, we should not go, for it will be treacherous. Paul would know. He's made many journeys across the sea, and he's actually been shipwrecked three times previous to this one. Paul was giving sound advice. But they didn't listen. And Paul later would have his I told you so. But as we see Paul in this giant storm as a prisoner, He has no authority. He has no power to do anything. We, in this storm and on this boat, and through Paul, we learn much about God. We learn about our own posture and attitude towards God in the midst of a storm. For often, Paul tells Timothy and Titus and other believers in the letters he writes, To imitate him as he imitates Christ. And so we notice how Paul approaches this storm. Now some of you here gathered this morning have been through such treacherous storms at sea on a ship. Where the waves are crashing, the boat is rocking, there's no stars or sun for a few days. But not all of us have managed to be on a ship like that. But most of us have incurred such a storm in our lives. Where we feel day to day being tossed to and fro. Unable to get any guidance from daylight or stars to navigate where to go next. Almost a feeling of losing and abandoning all hope. You see, Paul... And those 276 persons were in the midst of this storm for 14 days on an old wooden ship tossed to and fro. And in this scripture, the truth that jumps off the page into our lives is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign over the storms of our lives. Now when I say sovereign, this understanding of sovereignty meaning that God is all-powerful, that it is His will, that He is in control. For we pray to God, and we call Him Almighty, and we call Him all-powerful. For God is not at the mercy of some greater power. God is not at the mercy of our power, whims, and wishes. No, God is God and we are not. For God is almighty. God is all powerful. God is sovereign. Even in the midst of our storms. This is one of the greatest truths and comforts found throughout all Scripture. Knowing. Believing, understanding that when things are out of our control, our great God is always in control. Amen. Amen. This ship Paul was on was out of control. For 14 days, being dragged through the sea, they had no idea where they were going to land, but they knew. They must run into an island somewhere. And they began at first by unloading cargo, by trying to set sails and hold rudders, and then eventually throwing their tackle overboard. They did everything they could do to try and get the ship under control in the midst of the storm. And yet they never were able to gain control. But God was. He always is. This storm may have been a surprise to those on the ship. The storms in our lives may come as a surprise to us, suddenly upon us, turning us, tossing us. But it did not catch God off guard. For God knows. God cares. This storm, the storms we face, they do not send God into a panic. The storm that Paul and these sailors were in the midst of, God didn't, wasn't surprised and turned into a panic where he must have called a heavenly council of angels to figure out, okay, what are we going to do here? For God had it planned because he's in control. You know, it's sometimes when a storm in our own lives suddenly upon us, we begin to wonder if we've moved away from God's will somehow, if we've drifted, that if this storm isn't a correcting storm to bring us back, but that's not always the case. For we know that the Lord had declared to Paul that he would go and testify about him to Caesar. We know that the scripture says Paul was going to Rome. We know that an angel visited Paul in the midst of the storm and said, Do not be afraid. You are going to Caesar. And you were going to preach. And so this ship, these 276 persons on it, this storm, We're all part of God's plan and God's will. See, the truth is, giving our lives over to Christ, we are not promised everything will be okay forevermore. Rather, what we are promised is exactly what we sung. Great is thy faithfulness. O oh God, our Father, that He is faithful to His promise to never leave us or forsake us; that nothing will ever separate us from His love. It's true. Sometimes God will God's will includes storms in our lives, and it's often in these storms where our trust in God grows deeper stronger than ever before. It's also sometimes in these storms that we come to realize that exactly what or who we have put our trust in that isn't God. Because we see how quickly it fails us. See, Paul writes to the Roman church Romans 8, 28, that God uses all things, even the storms in our lives, for the good of those who love him, for those whom he calls according to his purpose. His contemporary, his brother in Christ, the Apostle Peter, in his first letter in chapter 5, verse 7, tells us that We are to cast all of our anxieties, our worries, our troubles upon Him because He cares for us. When We can't see the sun. Can't navigate by the stars. We don't have to lose hope. He cares for us. He knows where we are because He's never left us. His love endures forever, because great is His faithfulness. We saw it in Scripture today, even though the sailors had no idea where they were going to land, God cared for them. God watched over them and guided their ship to the shore. In pieces, yes. Safely, yes. As He had promised. Knowing and understanding and believing God is sovereign. It's a great struggle for us. To fully trust God in everything. and every part of our lives. But coming to grips with God's sovereignty. Is a great comfort. In times of joy. But especially in moments of storm. Twelve months ago, a storm was suddenly upon my family. Most of you have been praying for Ellis for over 12 months now. He first went into the hospital to get a PIC line to endure months of, antibiotic, of IV antibiotic treatments, of surgeries and anesthesia and doctor's visits, and we were not prepared for this storm. We could not control this storm. Twelve months later, we've been hoping for good reports, yet it is not fully resolved yet. But since the very beginning, Ellis, you've seen him. He smiled the entire time. Not a tear has been shed by that kid. You've seen the pictures, the thumbs up, and the smile, and the reminder to his mom and I God's got this. In the midst of the storm, Paul stands in front of 276 hungry people, worried. People who had lost all hope and declares his faith in God. It says, "I trust him and him alone." But just earlier, Luke tells us that everyone had abandoned hope. Paul encourages them to eat, and so he starts off doing exactly what our Lord did he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. And all were encouraged. And they found their way to the shore. So when we read Paul on this ship. Shipwrecked on this island. We see in God's word. Do not be afraid. But trust in God. That we can be thankful for all the good things that happen. And that there's no such thing as luck, or chance, or karma. Because God's in control. For the Bible tells us, and we know, that in all things, all things, not... Paul was careful with his words. He didn't say a few things, some things, most things. Sometimes things. He said, All things. Say it with me. All things. No, no, no. All things. Yes, God is in control of all things, and he works for the good of those who love him and for those whom he's called according to his purpose. And the faithful said, Amen. Amen.